0: Mm-hmm. I guess that maybe that's what it is. Is that I feel like people assign threat levels to the factions less than they assign threat levels to the current situations.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's so great in Root, though, because it's always evolving, right? Like somebody can have a really strong start and then somebody else crafts coins and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, th- <laughs> like, you know, they're a huge threat now. Yes, Let's-
2: it's. Famously, after everyone finishes their turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> then everyone goes, Well, now we got to do something about them, right? Yeah, um, this should
1: be a phase in Rude. It's birdsong, daylight, <laughs> evening, everybody else gossips about how to destroy you. <laughs> Midnight, <laughs> angry breakfast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I also love this about root for this very reason and that's why I just I wonder with all of the talk that goes on not only in our community but a lot of other root uh, spaces just about factions strength or uh this faction is worse than this one or this faction's ability is not nearly as good as this one it's so circumstantial all the time and that's the way this game is that I don't think we should put as much value as we are on those things so much as their timing and their
2: usage in a scenario. Well, I think that us saying one faction's better than the other or whatever gives room for those factions that are actually worse to operate. and uh, what, what, the, what is actually worse? Uh, the, the crows the crows <laughs> are worse. The crows are worse than the vagabond, right? Like that's that's something that we need to understand when we're playing root. Granted, a player's skill level is going to trump that. Uh, You know like the circumstances on the board might make that not the case Mm -hmm. obviously the current point score like there are many things to factor in uh, aside from the faction strength of course. But yeah if you've
1: crafted charm offensive and you're looking around the the table right it is helpful to know which of the which of the factions is going to be scoring the most slowly or you know have a a good understanding of like the general wisdom behind because I feel like that point is always going to the Corvids player. And I feel like <laughs> it's just like you know, there's almost no hesitation usually if the corvids are in the game.
2: Yeah, You're like yeah, played- yeah,
1: crows. You can have a point. That's fine. You you need it.
2: So we played a game last night and Jake won again. <laughs> uh, he You're on did- a winning streak, dude. Yeah, Jake's on a winning streak. Target him. Uh, so, <laughs> but we played with a lord of the board and he crafted charm offensive and I didn't ever get a charm offensive point. <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't get one. I don't think so. No.
0: I got a fair amount of them for sure because I was the crows. but definitely, uh-huh. uh, there was a lot of heat on me for much of the game because I was I was in the I was like near the front of the pack for the majority of it. Yeah yeah, but that's the thing. Would that was you- the circumstance. Like I don't know. I, I agree with you guys. yes. Of course, statistically speaking, and if we look at the objective data, yeah, the vagabond is in a stronger position at the outset of a game than the crows. but the factor of knowing that and also the meta that we build on this podcast where we complain about the Vagabond and, and uh, <laughs> or, you know <laughs> dog on the crows, then that also
1: creates, uh, I don't know, it creates those yeah, perceptions, Yeah, it creates a right? balancing ecosystem a little bit where more of that early effort is going to go into checking the Vagabond and kind of giving a little latitude to the crows to get their engine rolling. Yeah. Whereas, like, if it was the other way around then the Vagabond would run away with the game, most likely. But didn't when we first...
0: I don't know if this was true for your guys' first games, but for me, when I played with other people, we always underestimated the Vagabond because it's just one dude. Yeah. Right? Totally. And everybody did that. And then the meta evolved, I think, outside of most people's games to be like, hey, y'all, this guy's bananas when put in the
2: right hands, and
0: then everybody figured yeah. him out.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I, I don't remember... I remember being like how am I supposed to get to 30 points with these quests? You know? <laughs> for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah, well, so what what led into this conversation was also just like, what is designed quote-unquote well? And by well, it is our subjective opinion, but it's also like, what does well mean? And uh, you, Sam, had put forth that the Corvids are probably not the best designed, and this isn't necessarily a... Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I... I don't want to put words in your mouth.
2: Yeah, I think that the, the Crows have the problem in their design. As does the Vagabond. Right. So that's
0: what I was saying. Is like, you think that about the Crows, and I kind of think that about the Vagabond, which are on the spectrum of power yeah, on exactly. the factions, exactly. right? Yeah. And I, I don't think the Vagabond is built, uh, I think there's a flaw in the build, it, namely actually the quests, right? Because it feels like it should be very a priority, but in generally speaking, when playing them, it's not. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the Crows are actually built pretty well, but when compared to everybody else that's on the board, yeah, they do, they struggle a little bit more,
2: for sure. Yeah, I mean, you did well to operate as the crows you won the game as the crows in that like in between zone it was between you and kyle for the win and i was just basically gonna be like i'm gonna i'm not going to help out here i'm gonna have kyle see if he can stop jake and if he can (laughs) then i might win
0: you know i mean what was gonna happen i mean i felt like kyle had that game if i hadn't had it right i think he probably did
2: Yeah, But then if both of you didn't have it, bro, I might have had it. So what's the deal with Badgers? What's your preliminary
0: thoughts on them? Because that's your second Badger game. It's like they have to slow roll kind of like the lizards and keep everybody from steaming ahead while they get figured out with their relics.
2: I don't know what the best strategy with Badgers is. I know now to focus on getting a lot of cards because you want to put cards in that retinue. I don't know what the best like when to pull relics out and score them is i just kind of do it as i often as i can and it still feels like it's not you always
0: seemed disappointed when it happens to you like
2: oh this is this number all right i'll deal with that (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i was losing cards out of my retinue like nobody's business also this happened to me in my two badgers games where i get on a position on the board and there's just like no no rabbit clearings or like no mouse clearing there's like one suit that's missing and that really hurts me that i can't like you know move my because you can like turn your buildings into warriors and turn your warriors right. into buildings like that you know so i could adjust with the suits of the cards but yeah i i, I think that the autumn map is going to be a good badger's map that's my preliminary uh prediction
1: because of the suit balance yeah yeah i don't know they they seem super challenging but yeah i they're actually similar to the woodland alliance in the fact that they can get hindered by a bad randomization of yeah
0: well great chat uh now it's time for root
2: news oh it's root news and there's no news yeah not a lot of news Right now, we had a lot last time when we were off for two months. Uh, this time, not so much. Um, so, I just wanted to take this time to uh, invite everyone to join the Discord the good time society discord and join the woodland war machine channel it's just the place where we hang out and we talk to the people that listen to the show and if you've heard us talk about it several times and haven't joined and don't know what a discord is i would encourage you to follow the links in this description and join us it is a fun friendly time and you get to ask us questions and contribute to the show so it's it's a great place
0: Get in there. We also have an async looking for group thread, which will be, it's just pinned, right? Yep. Great. It's pinned in that channel, and you can access it, and people are making games all the time. In fact, I just joined one yesterday.
2: Yeah, it's super fun. Also, Good Time Society has a Patreon, which is where you can go to support this show and other great shows that they uh, make here. Jake's got a Star Trek podcast. There's a Call of Cthulhu RPG going on. There's all the good-looking kickstarters as well as all the how-to-play videos. Lots of great board gaming content being made on Good Time Society. We'd appreciate you signing up because I know that this show is hopefully going to be starting to make some Patreon exclusive content. So if you don't yeah. want to miss anything, kind of, kind of get ready for that. Get oh, yeah. ready.
1: It's going to be super fun. Um, and if if you are uh, just chilling in the Woodland War Machine channel in the Discord. Feel free to just like click around a little bit because there's there's some cool stuff happening in Good Time Society. Um, one thing that I've been loving in recent months is uh the Magic: The Gathering like drafts. Oh, I didn't know you were into that. Yeah, uh, Becca's really good at Magic: The Gathering, and it's yeah, she it's is awesome <laughs> yeah. to see her and, like <laughs> kick some ass with that. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, we have a good dedicated uh group of Magic: The Gathering fans. Uh, so yeah, come join us over at the Discord. We got lots of cool stuff cooking up there. We'd love to have you. But what are we talking about today,
2: gents? Ooh, yes. We have a new (laughs) format of an episode uh, that we are doing. These are called Versus Guides. Ooh. These episodes provide information and strategy for playing against certain factions. And as you might have guessed from the title of this episode, this one is about being against the Marquis de Cat.
1: Yeah, we're going to be discussing in... So much detail, just the ways in which you can break and just absolutely hamper and destroy your opponents uh, if they are playing as the Marquis. Uh, and actually, we're going to kind of get into, like, what are the situations in which you would want to even do something like that or undertake such an endeavor? Um, Root, obviously, is a game of conflict, and uh, everyone has to be kind of applying some pressure Uh, But the Marquise is a little bit of a special case And I think it's actually awesome that we're starting with this faction Because some of our advice is going to be like Hey pal, maybe kind of pump the brakes If you're thinking about like trying to knock the head off of your Marquise player
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is a funny one to start off on Because it's like, we're going against the cats In case anyone was curious on how to beat the cats I feel like most people are like, no, I got it I know how to beat the cats (laughs) But the point is, is to play against them in the best way possible that will leave you the best chance to win. So not just what's the best way to destroy all their pieces, but how to navigate a game with the Marquise de Cat in a way where you're going to come out on top.
1: Absolutely.
2: Let's remember that uh, root. Generally speaking,
0: when we're talking about it, is a four-player game. Now, if you're playing a one-on-one versus the cats, you probably don't need any brake pumping. You should probably just go for it, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to hit Yeah, em.
1: yeah. If it's a chess match, then you you must absolutely reduce their ability to fight back as early as possible Mm -hmm.
0: but this guide like all of our guides uh, will really focus less just on destroying a faction so much as how to play with them at the table because you don't generally destroy factions in a game of root you stop their momentum you slow them down you maybe even uh shoot them in the knees but (laughs) you don't necessarily kill them
2: that, yep that's true jake even though this is the only faction you can actually wipe from the board, <laughs> that's true again yes. good reason we're starting with them yeah <laughs> the exception to all the rules we're trying to establish okay yeah on the guide to how to humiliate your friends we will cover that of course yes of course yeah all right so let's do a little overview here okay the cats the marquise de cat okay is an iconic root faction all right starts with pieces in every clearing on the board oh did I did I did I say every clearing? I did say every clearing. And that's because going forward with this show, we are considering advanced setup to be the way we are viewing this game. Mm, now these lessons right. especially today are going to totally apply if you're playing with standard setup too. It's going to be a nice smooth transition, but we are going to be this is an advanced setup podcast. And I know that (laughs) material has not been released to everyone, but we are prepping for the expansion that's coming out to try to make these episodes as timeless as possible.
0: Well, then if we're going to tell that to folks, let's at least tell them the difference right now for the cats in terms of their setup from the old printed version that's on uh, everybody's boards versus the ad set version, which is on the cards that will be released with the Marauder expansion. Yep. That's right. Yes.
1: Ad set. uh, The cats received a slight buff in their starting position. Uh, Essentially, they will select three adjacent clearings as homelands uh each of which gets two cats and then one cat goes in all the other clearings so they they literally start with presents everywhere Uh, and previously
0: they lacked one in their far corner right that's That's right. right
1: yeah it used to be the case that the opposite corner from the keep the keep had to start in a corner and the opposite corner was catless but now the keep can kind of float you know you can start it kind of wherever
0: it's, um, it's crazy the cats got a starting buff considering their presence, but it makes sense once we kind of dissect the faction a little absolutely.
1: bit. Absolutely, and when we discuss the keep in more detail later, this will have a big impact. Um, but yeah, basically the, the cats start with a little bit more of a robust defensive setup um, on account of advanced setup.
2: Yeah, but I think the big headline there for the Cats changes is that keep does not have to start in a corner. We are going to see some strange games when people are starting in the pass, where people are starting in the (laughs) central uh, winter clearings. Like, it's going to really shake up the start of the game, and hopefully uh, for the Cats' favor.
0: Now, I know we're not talking from a Cats player's perspective today. We're talking from everyone else's perspective, (laughs) but... uh, Do you think you're going to see more often uh, uh, non-border clearing uses of the keep?
1: I think so. Somewhat. I think so too, right? Because the mobility of field hospital? Yeah. I mean, having those cats centralized Mm -hmm. off of field hospitals is incredibly valuable to make the most use of that march action. But at the same time, if you get too aggressive with that keep placement... Um, yeah, that's putting it in the pass. Oh my gosh, <laughs> extremely tempting for the other players to converge on. You're if you make it too accessible, then you know that it becomes such a linchpin of your position yeah, that it's accessible that to your undone. enemies. Right, right.
0: Yeah, putting it in the pass. That's uh, that's just starting the game with like, let's fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these angry-eyed invaders strike fear into the hearts of newer players and kind of fly under the radar of more jaded players, okay? That's where the cats kind of stand right now.
0: Oh, I love that the spectrum is newer and jaded.
2: Yeah, well, that's it. There's only two kinds of root players, okay? Uh, So it might seem like playing against them is easy since their win rate is so low, but... The way you go about dealing with their unique toolkit may mean the difference between you or somebody else winning. You don't want to overcommit. You want to know when to lay low. And for the love of God, don't storm the keep unless you have to okay this is not a podcast where we're recommending you like turn one storm the keep first of all just lame bro lame move but second of all it's not the best thing to do for the game if
1: i see anyone's woodland alliance warriors in the clearing with the keep i will fly out to wherever you are <laughs> and hit the undo button manually for you <laughs> <laughs>
2: So like we're saying here, there is such a thing as playing too hard against the cats. Every action you use to check the cats is an action that you could use to set yourself up better. Also, you don't want the cats to be so focused on having to rebuild their own engine and get it back online that they're unwilling to do some much needed policing of other players. That's what we're talking about. Well, that's why you don't take out the keep super early because then the cats are like, oh, I got to rebuild all this stuff and I have to focus on my game when the healthiest thing for a game of Root to keep it competitive is that everyone has an extra action to punch the person to their right with. (laughs) So in this guide, we hope to strike the right balance of board positioning, smart crafting and learning when and where to hurt the cats if it comes to that. I got a question for yeah. you. Uh,
0: so you said every action you use to check the cats is an action you could have used to set yourself up better. Yeah. Um. Now, considering I, uh, we're going to be looking at all guides kind of this way of like when you use your actions to counter other people as opposed to building your engine and whatnot. Isn't this true for playing against any faction? What makes the cats different?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it is true against any faction. I think there are other f- factions where it's like, well... It's good to cripple them early or it's good to, you know, uh, punch them in the throat, you know, early because it, it can have some benefits to gameplay. But I think that cats have a reputation of like, oh, they're everywhere. And so people want to do that to the cats. But we're saying here on this podcast, that that's probably not the smartest move.
1: Yeah. I mean, the cats are low hanging fruit, right? Exactly. They build buildings. They don't have a ton of warrior concentration usually. So it can be like, oh, I can hack through two warriors and hit. Oh point of cardboard or whatever and that seems like oh this is helping me but kind of in the long run you just have to really manage how much damage you have done to the cats in order to kind of balance the other players because you you really want those guardrails up so that other players don't get too much space to work with or too much of a you know free hand
0: yeah i'd say universally like 80 percent of the way through the game, the players are all asking each other to help each other. And then whoever they ask to help replies with, don't you remember how you destroyed my momentum?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can't help you now.
0: And the cats, I feel like are the people that would need to say that the most often when that late in the game,
1: it can be very valuable to leverage a vulnerable, you know, cat outpost. And as part of the like table talk and just say that like, Hey, like, I'm just noticing that this is like a pretty, <laughs> a pretty easy target here, and I just want you to know that I'm not gonna go for that. All right, like I'm looking at this right now, and it's it's just right there. Your but I'm threats not go always for it. feel
0: like a school counselor oh, telling yeah. a child about his career options. Yeah. Like, hey, look, you're not on the right path, and I'm just letting you know that you know your future won't look good unless you make some some decisions <laughs> that will really affect all of our choices. Yeah. You're very kind about your threats. I
2: don't. I don't find that that's the case. Here's what I think: When Kyle, he 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 will sometimes act like we didn't discuss this whole thing on the podcast before. He's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm like, sitting right here. I'm just trying to get my points. And I'm like, we talked about on the pod, like if someone's in this good of a position, you got to do something about it. <laughs>
0: it's also like when he when you when you take away crucial pieces for it you hear the pain in his voice and you can also hear it once you start to listen for it the pride he has in you for actually doing something that he would do if he was <laughs> yeah in your that's place. true
2: if you do
1: yeah yeah
0: it's like, okay that's a good move but then you feel bad about yeah, it
1: i believe in the rule of awesome for board games and someone does <laughs> yes. something really excellent even if it's very devastating to me i i Respect.
0: <laughs> You've talked me out of good moves because I felt bad about doing them to you because you were so kind and asking me why.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's um that's just uh emotional jujitsu Jake. Never classic manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Um no the my favorite move right now is um on turn one before anything has happened to just be like, Well my game's over.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't say it in the first two turns, it doesn't count. Uh-
1: <laughs> Alright, so let's let's talk about the cats. How how threatening are they actually in a game of
2: root? Alright, this is a new segment for these new guides we're calling threat level. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Kyle? You wanted to do a sound effect?
1: Oh, uh, I couldn't come up with that. I was gonna do like radio chatter, but then it all felt too like yeah. real or whatever. So <laughs>
2: So, uh, just classic, like, um, post 9-11 terror level. Think that scale. Okay. (laughs) Uh, but right now we're calling cats a threat level green. Okay. Which is right now the lowest and the highest, I suppose. It's the only one.
0: I think green
2: on the terrace level is there is no threat. Yeah. 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 Green is low. (laughs) Okay. It goes green, yellow, orange, red. All right. That's the scale. And we're calling cats a threat level green. All right. So what is a threat level? I would say it's like chances of winning the game. Also, like how aggressive are they? Like, are they going to do something to you? Um, And in both of these metrics, I would call the cats a threat level green.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the main thing is that it's, it's possible to calculate if the cats are in a winning position and their scoring is slow and steady. So for the most part, like they're not going to be winning the game next turn in a lot of situations so like yeah just just to keep a, a cool head about the real danger of the cats and i think it's for them it's more like building up an unstoppable position over time um and then even if you are dealing a lot of damage to them they can still kind of write it out and score those last couple of points but again all of this is very transparent with the cats so i think like Threat level green is is a good starting point for them. You can always tell if they're going to be in a winning position. Yeah,
2: you got time to deal with it. Once you see that they're a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really because. Yeah. So what you're saying is like
0: their their board state is not a secret. It's kind of painfully obvious compared to other players who like with the with the birds, we don't know what their decree is going to be next turn necessarily or which. I mean, the birds are actually readable in a lot of ways, yeah. but that's just one example. But like with uh, the Corvids, there's a lot of secrets going on with the lizards. It's uncertain exactly what they will be activating based right. on the outcast. And, and
1: even with a faction like the Folk, where it's like, oh, I can count the number of actions you get. They, mm-hmm. they have so much freedom to choose what those actions are that their kind of scoring possibility is a branching tree, whereas the cats are like on a track, you know, they're on a pretty linear type of track.
0: They've got generally three actions, sometimes four, but like it's they don't love to attack. That's that's not one they <laughs> yeah. they value, right? right. Yeah, they yeah. want to build. So that's why they're green too, is they're just their threat level for interrupting other things is pretty low. Yeah,
2: they'll attack if it means like saving one of their buildings and that's mm-hmm. about it they're not being proactive policing the woodland
0: but what, well they what they are good at though is moving around a little bit and again they don't do that a ton but they do it enough to can counter rule a little bit easier than some folks
2: can yeah i think like the main thing to highlight here is the fact that they are linear like kyle was saying like it's a linear thing as as opposed to a snowball where it's like oh, oh it's too late Even though we have the full table cooperation, we can't stop the Vagabond. We can't stop the Moles, right? There are factions that can snowball, uh, and the cats aren't. If the whole table goes after cats in a winning position, I mean, there are still ways the cats can pull it out, but it's a lot more difficult for them.
1: The other thing that I think makes the cats a threat level green is the fact that their crafting is difficult. Yes. And that they are very rarely going to surprise the table by... Having some like mega crafting rounds to, you know, eke out the victory. That is just, that just doesn't happen very often with the cats, I find. Right. All right. So now that we know that they're pathetic,
0: how do we, what do they need and how do we deny them that?
2: Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about cats' needs and how to deny them those needs. Okay. So the first thing that the cats need is building slots and lots of them. All right. They need to also rule connected clearings in order for their wood to magically float through clearings and uh, that they wish to build in, okay? Sawmills are obviously their most important building because that's the thing that generates the wood, okay? So they need building slots. And I I forget when we were doing the Cat's Guide how many building slots they need, but it is most of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a pretty good amount. They're gonna favor
0: high building slots clearings is what you're saying that's the the takeaway in there.
2: yeah exactly i would think i would think a cats player is looking at those big clearings and uh hoping to take them i think factions when you're thinking about playing against the cats and knowing that they want to take up building slots there's only a handful of factions that are really going to find that even annoying much less threatening the birds need to be able to build but as long as there's one building slot and the birds can overrule the cats they they kind of don't care if the cat has a has buildings in the same clearing as them. The moles can also do the same thing. So it's it, it, it their engine is not very uh, threatening in that way to, to those factions. So how do we deny them these building slots that they need?
1: Yeah. The best way is to place a building in those empty building slots, just to like reduce the resources. In this case, the resources being available building slots, right? Um, if you are not a faction that builds buildings, then the best thing to do is either rule a clearing that has three building slots or two or select a point of a weak point in their uh, wood kind of chain and just go ahead and occupy that or attack some cats there. Yeah. Um, Basically, if you can interrupt the flow of wood into a critical clearing, that is pretty much as good as building in that critical clearing. Yep. Um, They need both things to be working and and that's just too easy to disrupt on most occasions i find with um with the eerie this is actually like a really great strategy uh is to not go straight for the you know heavy building slot clearing and occupy that but instead go one past and just like stop the chain of wood there and then you just Mm. like can backfill at your leisure basically
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. When we're saying taking these clearings, we're talking about very early because the cats will have the opportunity to pick their clearings they're building in because they start with people everywhere, right? Yeah. So it is important to, if you're going to deny them something, doing it early is just a really easy way of just soft locking them. They're still in the game, but they're going to have a tough time, you know, building that out.
1: And this is just a good strategy overall with the cats, too. Because it will force them to get out on the map in the mid-game. Yeah. And that's what you want from your Cats player. Yes. If you are at this table, you want them to be on the front foot getting out onto the map to try and win some more space. Because that's how they're going to do the policing. You know, If they just have all the time in the world to build at home, they're not going to be incentivized to deal with anything. So setting up those boundaries really early. I find that in a, in a game with the lizards, frequently this will be kind of an automatic uh, you know, the cats will lack several clearings because of the gardens mm-hmm. and that chain of wood is going to have a lot of trouble. So they they are forced to uh, expand into some pressure. Um, yeah. But, so set up those boundaries early.
2: Yeah. But I, I mean, and with that comes the risk of then the cats coming after you. Right. If you are going to take an aggressive move into their territory and interrupt their flow of wood, you could incur a little wrath from the cats. I would say nine times out of 10, though, the cats are just going to kind of work around it or, you know, recruit and move and like solve it on their turn. And it costs them an action that they didn't want, which is exactly what we're aiming for is to be yes. slightly annoying and cost them a couple extra actions over the yeah, course of the game. You just
1: want to sandpaper away a couple actions over the yeah. course <laughs> of the game. And that usually is enough to set them back like a turn, even two turns from winning. Yeah. Which is like, that's a bummer, but Hey, you want to do this as efficiently as possible. So that that's a great way to kind of slowly, um, you know, slow down their engine. Part two of, establishing strong kind of like restrictions around the cat's position is in the mid game. This can sometimes lead to a buildup of wood. And this is just the best thing in the world. If you are (laughs) like an aggressive faction is seeing that wood pile start to grow because there's no building slots that they can access. If you can create that situation, you just, you really want to, especially if you're in a position to take advantage of that.
2: That's true. Yeah, that is the, Point where it's like gloves come off. If you can score like three or four points from cardboard, then it's like, we might, you might not need the Cats player to restore balance anymore. You don't want balance. You're racing now. Yeah.
1: You are now in a
0: winning position. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a big old treasure trove. Right. For sure. Mm
2: -hmm. So something to keep in mind when we're kind of dealing with these Cats buildings, obviously, their sawmills are the kind of Achilles' heel here. That's the building if you're going to destroy one that's the one you want to destroy uh often like kyle said because it comes with wood but the tricky thing and kyle you're really good at this when you play cats is like when someone destroys your building you use it as an opportunity to like oh well you freed up a building slot for me thank you very much (laughs) like it's this weird certain point in the cats game it gets to where destroying their buildings actually is a bad idea and yeah. I, it's really hard for me to know when that is in a game. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit.
1: It's, uh, it's about positioning a lot of times. If yeah. you destroy a building that is very close to their source of wood or the keep or something that's, you know, very accessible, then the cats have no problem just like filling that in with warriors and instantly rebuilding and yeah. are like, thank you very much. <laughs> it, it's hard for the cats when it's a far away building because it's harder to get to it. You know, yeah. there's just like a lot more stuff they have to solve in order to get that far away building slot. So logistically, the best thing to do is work from the outside in because it's very frustrating as the cats to get stuck where all your buildings close to home are full and you, you're you just forced to like get out there and find some more. Mm-hmm. Again, pressuring the cats into this type of position is what you want to do. Yeah, uh, because then they're, they're going to really be an active participant in balancing the table you're
0: prioritizing sawmills then recruiters then workshops, I'd imagine, because
2: workshops yeah. have a slightly higher point value, right? Yeah, I think it's the worst of both worlds. They're they don't care about their workshops, so you're not yeah. really hurting them that much. And yeah, rebuilding them is the best points they could get. So right. Yeah.
1: One would for that uh, second workshop that gets you two points. Ooh, that's juicy. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say is that like destroying a sawmill is a pretty aggressive thing to do against the cats you were you were saying that like i am checking you all right what i would say is a lighter touch that will impact their action economy is to destroy their third recruiter if you can get them back down to two recruiters then they're only drawing one card at the end of their turn and with that they're less likely to get those bird cards which gives them more actions and stuff you just are slowing them down instead of totally dismantling them
2: all right, so let's let's dive in there then. One of their needs is bird cards. Cats need bird cards. Never seen a cat win without a few bird cards, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, So here's how you deny them bird cards. Don't give them any, all right? Nice. If you are the vagabond, don't aid the cats a bird card unless... Or if you're the river folk, don't set those prices so low that you're basically giving them away. Don't put it at two. Put it at three. You deserve to get paid three for a bird card if the cats are in play. (laughs) They've got the warriors. Um, I say that without conditions. You you don't want to give them those cards without conditions. If you're the Vagabond, you want to aid the cats a bird card, strike a little deal. You've got some leverage there. They need those bird cards.
1: If it's early in the game maybe you can say hey this is my peace offering to you i'm going to give you a bird card if you just like leave me alone while i'm in your territory
2: totally yeah
1: um for the river folk one one thing i've seen in the past is that the river folk will like destroy something of the cats and then lower their prices to 2 for that bird card meaning that the cats mm. are like kind of forced to purchase in order to rebuild mm-hmm. and uh that's just so dastardly i love it
2: yeah Yeah, that's a good extortion. That's not like moving into the keep and then putting your prices to four and being like, pay me for mercenaries, you know? (laughs) Because that's not going to work. But uh, I think that that, Kyle, makes a lot of sense. When the cats are rebuilding, oh, sorry. Prices are going up a little bit, you know? (laughs) All right, so more with denying things. You could hit their third recruiter from drawing extra cards, Kyle. I think that's really smart. Uh, two recruiters is probably not enough for the cats, right? They're going to rebuild that third recruiter. So I think that's where it gets into a little bit of like, how much are you taking cats out of the game a little bit? Uh, Not that it's like devastating, but they will have to rebuild it.
1: Well, right. Because if they're spending their time rebuilding that third recruiter, instead of adding an additional sawmill, for example, like they're not making progress. They're kind of just treading water. Yeah, And so I, I don't know. To me, that's like the lightest serious check is destroy a
2: recruiter. That's a bop. It's a bop. (laughs) Yeah. It's a solid bop. bop.
1: You said
0: earlier that killing a certain amount of recruiters would drop them down to two cards. So they have one card draw like everybody at the beginning of the game when they build their third recruiters when they get another card draw,
1: right? That's right, yeah.
2: Yeah, they start with one recruiter, so it's really the second one they've built. But yeah, they're third on their board. Yeah, if there's three on on the map,
1: they're drawing two cards. So you just want to take it down to two and kind of force them to focus on um, building recruiters rather than building sawmills.
2: All right. Let's talk about another need the cats have and the cats need to avoid battling. They really do. They have such a limited action economy. They can battle and will battle a little, but overall, their action economy is so tight that they will avoid every battle they can afford to avoid.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. For being everywhere and having warriors in every clearing, they don't want to fight much in this war game. They'd no. rather just build buildings. They really are the carpenters of the woodland in some way. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, there's a whole view where everyone is like, you damn invaders. And they're like, we're bringing you culture. <laughs> we're <laughs> architects. What are you doing? Leave us
0: alone. <laughs> Yes, our hammers look like swords. We admit it, but, <laughs> but I can't even a craft workshop.
2: a sword. I'm never putting a workshop in a fox clear. <laughs> Much less two. Yeah. So how do we deny them the fact that they want to avoid to battle? There's a little double negative here, but Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: basically, the way to do that is force them to battle. What? Wait, hold on. What is it? What are we asking? <laughs> so they we need... want them to battle other people? They want to save their actions for building and recruiting. Right. An ideal cat's turn is just build and recruit mm-hmm. and then maybe move. Mm-hmm. If they have to battle stuff, then like it just throws everything in doubt. And, you know, it's, it's an action that they could have spent doing something else.
0: So, our goal here is to take advantage of the fact that they don't want to attack as an action because it's right. not efficient yeah. compared to the other things. Okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If you can take an action off of their action cap, that's like, it's, it's the same as slowing them down in, in other ways.
2: Got it. So, we want them to, to battle. Something that's not going to matter to us, or something that has some synergy. Sympathy, I think, is the classic example here. Woo! (laughs) Woo! I got some sympathy fans in the house.
0: I got sympathy for sympathy!
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big alliance head, you guys. Come on. Yeah, I guess so. I thought you were a moles guy. I mean, I like all the factions. Yeah, you always good. defend all the factions. I will say that. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll be like, this one isn't as good. And Jake's like, you guys, think about the circumstance where they're the best one.
0: Anytime you guys are like, this is the worst, I'm like, well, i got to try and beat you with them now.
2: That's <laughs> yeah, true. You beat us with crows. <laughs> all right. Um, so sympathy is a classic example of you throw a sympathy into a clearing and the cat with a building and those cats are probably going to battle it because they don't want their building to blow up. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Or if you've got a sack of warriors on a key clearing that is just obstructing the flow of wood, the cats may have to waste a move getting a bunch of guys in there, or they may just try and battle their way out of that situation.
0: Well, that's a double counterpoint there because you're stopping their wood and you're forcing them to attack you to stop their wood. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So
1: you're creating a lot of issues for the cats by just stepping in their production line (laughs) but also like
0: look for the opportunity where this also helps you do your thing right so you could go into x uh clearing and do this but does x get you something as well whereas y might also accomplish the uh outcome that you want from disturbing the cats but also gain you something for your engine i know at the beginning of this guide we talked about like checking other people slows down your engine build. And that might be true, but there could be a, a lot of situations and decision points where it might accomplish both those goals.
1: Absolutely. And early in the game with the cats, too, the cats are like water. They'll, they'll take the path of least resistance to continue building. Um, you can actually shape their development a little bit if you're the kind of faction that can build or can you know take up space and, and rule clearings. If you can early-ish in the game try and like divert the cats to a certain side of the board or try and like push them into someone else's territory by grabbing a key clearing nice and early Um, that can that can change the shape of their development and if you can kind of artificially or just positionally put the cats in conflict with somebody else at the table that is a net win for you first and foremost so I would say like Uh, having a light touch with the cats can be extremely helpful in this way.
0: So what if you are like that person, though? Like, what if you're the person that you are in conflict with the cats because where you need to go, whether you're moles or birds and your decree says you need to go that route, what do you do in that situation? Because you're the person who's... Spending too much time maybe on the cats And slowing them down to a point to where oh wait Maybe I need them a little bit alive to deal with the lizards In the corner who are creeping up
1: Yeah this happens a lot um, There's a name for this and it's called forever wars <laughs> and it's when you're sort of just in this Tit for tat thing with someone else's in your Face and you're mm-hmm. in their face And you just can't extricate <laughs> From this conflict What I would say is it's really good at the table To just kind of name that or like call that out And just be like look we are In each other's face right now and it's just like a board position thing. Like I need to get my stuff online and so do you. And we're just going to be butting heads here. Um, there's it, That is a tough situation to be in because it usually requires some maneuvering and some action spending from both parties in almost a cooperative sense to kind of get into a different area. So what I would say is try and form a temporary alliance with the cats in that case because it's not in neither of your interests to sync each other while the rest of the table gets an advantage.
0: Yeah, they want you two to fight. Forge
1: a temporary alliance and go focus on a different area of the map. One thing you can think about is anytime someone is strong in one area, they have left a weakness behind. So look at other players at the table, figure out where their weak clearings are and try and target those instead of bashing your head against the cats. Because it just... I mean, the cats are going to expand and build. That's what they do. Um, If you can work something out with them, that's going to be the best thing. I think
2: also when you take out a bunch of Marquis warriors, usually they get field hospital and go back to the keep. So it might seem like you made some progress for a turn, but those cats are coming back, you yeah. know? So like you said, Kyle, it's a forever war. And the only way to get out of a forever war is, is to, to, negotiate to get you know (laughs) Kyle we had a situation in the game we played last night where I was like just to let you know this clearing is really important to me and I'm gonna need it and I think it's better for both of our games if if you leave and then then Sam from Lord of the Board also came into that clearing so (laughs) it was a messy situation but your game was significantly benefited by going the other way. Because Absolutely. we knew-
1: withdrew completely from that yeah. clearing.
2: Yeah. And sometimes like knowing when to kind of back off
1: will give you the you can you can kind of preserve the resources of your meeples on the board in order to like deploy them effectively on a future turn. Don't like waste your time like grinding each other down for no reason, you know. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure if this is gonna be the takeaway with all of these verses. Uh, episodes but definitely with the cats like having empathy for what they're trying to accomplish is like a huge part of dealing with the cats of like you understand that they are going to need building slots and so like just just knowing that that's the case like you can avoid a lot of forever wars with the cats because you know they're going to come for that two slot clearing they need that one they're not going to yeah. take up two different other clearings that are further away with one building slot each or whatever it is. So be smart and and have some empathy.
1: Have some empathy, but also force them to build in awkward clearings because then they've overextended and <laughs> it's easy to destroy later for those last <laughs> crucial points.
0: I think the empathy lesson is one that 100% goes for all of these guys, mainly because yeah. we're, we're focusing these on your opponent and if you are trying to figure out your opponent's situation you need to understand where they're coming from and what their feelings are so uh, empathy is a very good skill to have right here no matter who you're going up against cats are a great example to start with because they start out so powerful and they see what they could become they see on the board what the cat empire looks like already there's orange everywhere right (laughs) there's open building slots they see it on their board they see their fortunes and starting at turn one that's all gonna start falling apart <laughs> you know, like yeah. th- they start from a position where their dreams will slowly be graded down into the yeah, fine Reality paste.
2: sets in quick. Yes. Whereas, you know, <laughs>
0: the Alliance are the opposite, whereas they start with nothing and they are hopeful and they yeah. they suddenly have a presence. So empathy is very much required for these guys. So, yeah, I, I
1: love that lesson in this.
0: Empathy! I have sympathy for empathy! <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So let's talk about crafting a little bit. So there's, you know, obviously there's ways to uh, check a faction by board presence and sort of, you know, splendid buildings and mighty armies and all of that. But there's another component to Root, which is crafting, and there are some abilities we can use to... um, drastically impact our ability to check the cat Sam, could you tell us a little bit about the, the crafting element to this
2: yeah so we we kind of covered in our cat's guide that there are two basic cats crafting strategies so us uh, understanding what those are is going to be very important for playing against them those two strategies are set it and forget it which is one mouse workshop or going to college, and that is two rabbit crafters. Kyle, I think you coined the term going to college, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, they're targeting two blocks of items with those. Okay. With the one mouse crafter, you get the two bags and the two tees. And with the two rabbit crafters, you get the two uh, boots and the two coins. Okay, those are the items that the cats are hoping to get to lessen that point gap and not have as many turns as they need to build all of their points, right? So it can be very beneficial to just craft those before the cats can. I mean, a lot of times when the Vagabond's in the game, things get different. And now that the Warlord's in the game, the Lord of Hundreds is in the game, things are going to get complicated with should you craft it, right? But in general, if we're thinking about just denying the cats points, which might not be the top priority, but in this crafting scenario, crafting those teas if they have a mouse crafter or crafting the coins when they have two rabbit crafters is definitely going to be a way to just soft deny them the points before they get a chance to earn them.
1: It is such a commitment from the Marquis to build a workshop. Yeah. And they, in doing so, they just telegraph... (laughs) what kind of track they're going down and what kind of items they're going to be competing to craft and so i mean that's that's one of the you know funny things about the Marquises. is you can just craft it out from under them as soon as you see them build that workshop you can just be like okay everyone craft those tees <laughs> <Here they come. laughs> yeah i yeah denying the points from the items is really a very simple way to do it and you can really easily read what they're gonna try and craft
0: I feel like that one's pretty situational, though. It's like, can you, because you got it, and can you, because your crafting pieces are where they need to be. And then if you do, if you fulfill both of those criteria, you're probably going to craft it anyway?
2: Yeah, I would think so. I think the Vagabond complicates should you craft it, and I sure. would rather have the cat. Well, I mean, if the cats are going to craft it, then you might as well be the person who gets the points if the Vagabond's going to get the item either way, but... Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it I think it makes sense. It, there are some factions that have a little bit more control over their crafting, like the moles. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the badgers have a little bit of encamping. Uh, well.
0: I guess I'm more interested in the cards we're going to use, the improvements, as opposed to the items. Because the items, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's going to want to get items unless they're the low-point ones, right? Like,
1: Well, sure. But in, early in the game, it's like, well, there are two approaches, too, because you can see the setup for the Marquis, and it's like, right. oh, they've got one workshop in a rabbit, cra- in a, in a rabbit suit, mm-hmm. like, they're gonna zig, maybe you should zag and go for more of those, like, mouse and fox Sure, items. okay, yeah,
0: so that would really just change where you're placing your crafting pieces, necessarily.
1: Yeah, that could mm-hmm. potentially influence it, for sure. But yeah, let's get to these crafted effects here, because I think there are some that
2: do specifically counter the Marquis. All right, so, crafted improvements that counter the cats from the base deck... Well, favor cards—that's a pretty good counter to most things. Yeah. But I think, especially to the cats, yeah. it's basically game over once that happens.
1: I mean, yeah, it, it does open up a lot of building slots. I would say <laughs> that's, that's a good way to look at it. Favor cards are only—they're only game over if the suit of the favor card is the same suit as the keep. That's when I'm like, that's fully game over. Because yeah. otherwise, they can. Field hospitals, perhaps. That's true. Yeah, all... Recycle all those warriors and then use that force to kind of uh, renew their efforts because also that's a lot of open building slots, you know?
0: You'd have to field hospital for each clearing, right? Or could you field hospital one card and get them all back if they all match the same clearing?
1: This is... Uh, this has been, like, a point of debate. I think it's you spend one card... And you get AMR. all the warriors. Back. It's one instance Whoa! of removal, I believe. Well, yeah. right, because it's one effect, I mean, right?
2: Field hospital, real quick.
0: Uh, I got it actually pulled up. Uh, whenever any Marquise warriors are removed, you may spend a card matching their clearing to place those warriors in a in the clearing with the keep token.
2: In the instance of the cats getting favored, it would cost them a card per clearing of cats that they wanted to rescue. Yeah, that is super brutal. Yeah. So Great. that's basically game over. So yeah. uh watch out for favor cards and especially <laughs> ones that match the keep. Yeah, okay. All right, the only other uh one from the base deck that I thought of because a lot of the crafted improvements are beneficial for the player who's playing them as opposed to something that could counter somebody. But a good one is brutal tactics. Brutal tactics, of course, is that bird card costs two fox to craft and it lets you deal an extra hit as attacker in battle and you give the defender a point. So this is really good for chewing through all the cats that stand in your way of that sweet, sweet cardboard. Um, Also, giving the cats a point is usually a fairly harmless price to pay, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And this is, I mean, we see so much of the cat's design and how it works with the bird's design right like the yeah. birds only can have one roost in a clearing and it's like so there are extra building slots for the cats to like s- seek and uh brutal tactics i feel like is a card that the birds tend to go for they tend to go for the fox crafters more and this is just a great card for the birds to have or any faction that's really trying to get at the cat's cardboard absolutely
1: uh, let's talk about the ENP deck because I feel like there's a couple of interesting possibilities here. Um, one that I see on here immediately is False Orders, which I think is uh,
2: just a nightmare for the cats to <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> so yeah. contemplate. Yeah, it is brutal, and it, and it's and it's so good. Right, so let's talk about what False Orders is, just for those people at home. False Orders is a fox card, cost one fox crafter, and Birdsong may discard this card to move half of an enemy's warriors rounded up from any clearing as if you were that player, ignoring rule.
1: Yeah, so you just take a stack of cats and you take half of them and just put them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And that to me, that is scary because it can, A, mess with the, the chain of wood. Mm-hmm. You know, if they previously ruled that clearing, but now they no longer do, they have to spend an action to consolidate before they can build. Um, or you could actually just super weaken a clearing that has a lot of cardboard You know, if there's a sawmill that's been kind of stacking up a little bit of wood, you can just get some defenders out of there, clearing a path for you to go in and clean up all that that cardboard.
2: Yeah. Also, you can throw those cats in the way of one of your other opponents. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way of kind of putting the cats against somebody else. You know, you move those into a lizard clearing that now it's harder for the cats to move or a clearing that has a bunch of warriors or you know just in the way of somebody who's going to have to battle there i'm thinking about like the badgers now or or putting them in a clearing where the birds have a card in battle for you know uh you can really kind of use that card to pin your cat opponent against one of your others absolutely the only other one i could come up with from enp is corvid planners corvid planners of course is a bird card it uh, costs two of any crafters. It says while moving, you ignore rule. So this can be really good because the cats tend to have big defenses up to guard their back line, where they might have some wood being stored up or some empty building slots or what have you. And this allows you to just kind of sneak right through their back line, where you might, uh, where they might be storing up wood tokens to get some of that mmm cardboard. <laughs>
0: Cool. Yeah, I think those two are great choices. I have a question uh, for EMP. Doesn't like something like Propaganda Bureau kind of feel like an opportunity? Because if there's like some backline stuff that's loosely defended by maybe one warrior or two, you can at least chop that down to something threatening?
1: A hundred percent, yeah. If the cats are turtling, that's a little bit less effective. But right. if, if it is the part of the game where they are trying to get out on the map and kind of throw their weight around, that can be such a devastating way to exploit a lightly defended clearing.
0: Yeah. I was kind of wondering about Eerie Emigrate too, which is one that we're not huge fans of in general, but like having the opportunity to just be like, if you have an excess amount of warriors or you are birds and, or and you know, you need something or whatever, maybe birds are a bad example. If you are a faction that has some warriors to spare, Eerie Emigrate gives you an opportunity to just go start poking at the cats stuff. But you don't want to do that too much as we talked about.
2: Yeah. I right. think I think those are good crafts. They might be situational right. a little bit more than the others. And usually I feel like, yeah, Eerie Emigre, like you're moving your battle. It's prob- There's probably a better person to battle. Right, right. If okay. there's a Vagabond in the game, if there's the moles in the game, if there's, you know, the yeah. birds need to be turmoiled or whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Last thing to keep in mind here with crafted abilities is watch out for their partisans, uh, especially mm-hmm. if it matches the keep. Yeah, it may be actually beneficial to fish out some cards from their hand um, with a kind of a dummy attack if they've got a Partisans thing going on. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I feel like the cats, you just want to take care of your own position and then prepare to kind of push them back later on with cards like Corvid Planners.
2: All right. This next section is called... You have a problem if... You have a problem if you have a problem if... So, basically, we said these guys are threat level green, right? But the cats can win a game, and it's important for us to recognize at what point the cats tip over into that actually being a threat to win the game. Or, you know, because they can get to a position where it's harder for them to stop. They're not going to snowball, but... Like we said, if you take out their building slot, that's just another building slot that they can move in and rebuild. So I I have, these are the criteria. You have a prob- You might have a cat problem if the cats have three plus sawmills and plenty of spots to build, right? Assuming that they're keeping parity with points with other people or probably out to a little bit of a natural lead like the cats tend to do. Um if they have three sawmills and then you can see on their back line they've got like three or four spots to build in, in cat territory, that, that might start to be a problem.
0: Sawmills because the wood will just be unstoppable? Like what what is it about the sawmills in particular?
2: Yeah, that they're generating three wood per turn. So right. they're probably going to be building a good three or even four point building every turn. Okay.
1: And the sawmills are very... Uh, valuable buildings to construct as well Yeah, uh, the last sawmill gets you five points which is really quite an astonishing amount and destroying sawmills after a certain point becomes counterproductive because you are they're just creating the right amount of wood anyway and rebuilding these incredibly valuable structures so it, it can get out of hand quickly with the sawmills for sure <laughs> basically if the cats have the room to operate and there's not enough, like, of a pressure cooker situation going on with them, uh, then they are likely to get out of hand. Uh, yeah, that's that's what you mainly want to watch out for. Okay. Other yeah. than that, the cats, I think, are going to be a little too slow to be truly worried about. Yeah.
2: You might also have a cat problem. Yeah. <laughs> If the only other red faction, the only other like big army faction that's going to go out there and and battle has been bopped or is otherwise not incentivized to attack the cats.
0: I feel like this is actually the more common problem I see. Or like that's when cats win is the power vacuum has gotten to turned on high, right? mainly also just because that other red faction is statistically far away from the cats as well so even if they had the opportunity standard setup that is true well but also when a person is choosing in ad set they probably don't want to be super close to the keep or anything as a red faction so not only are they not always incentivized they might not be able to
2: yeah yeah, this I mean, I feel like the the old story with the with the base game here is the birds have gone into turmoil. Right. So they're losing their whole turn. and what are we gonna do about the cats now? It's up to like ten toasts and a vagabond. That, <laughs> who knows how many swords they got? Who knows if they have gone into the forest? you know? um that those kind of windows can really open it up for the cats.
1: yeah. beware of the power vacuum. I've actually I've seen this as well in, in games where you see uh, the early red faction alliance, yeah, um, type of game structure where you have t- two of the army factions make an agreement that they're gonna keep they're gonna suppress the insurgent factions, and that is relatively successful until the insurgents kind of like topple one of them right. that isn't the cats, yeah, and it's like in that situation the cats have already had a chance to build up and they then further have the opportunity to kind of push their lines out and uh, that can be a really difficult situation to uh, really trap them in because yeah. they've already expanded a little too much um, so yeah in the, in the situation where you have the two uh, red factions aligning early on be careful in just destroying one of them that you don't unintentionally allow the other to run away with the game
2: <laughs> for sure you might have a cat problem if they've crafted both coins or both T's.
1: Ooh. Oof. Yeah. Uh,
2: the threshold for me, for, for cats having
1: an amazing crafting game and being in a scary good spot uh, to me, that's about six points. Yeah. Once, once they hit six points of crafting, it's like, uh Oh, they, they could just like do it. They could just go up there and just get a, a sneaky like dunk and win the game.
2: Yeah. They, they made up for the turn that they're behind cats kind of feel like like a turn behind sometimes in terms of Mm -hmm. scoring and when they craft Mm -hmm. a bunch of high point items they they aren't anymore yeah
1: all right so if we have a cat problem what's the thing to do sam
2: i just kind of spray him with a hose (laughs) That's been my go-to. But in the game of Root, I hear that that's very damaging to the pieces. Yeah, do not. We're not recommending anyone do that on the board. That's what happened to Kyle's first cop. That's why he doesn't have another one. Um, Sam just came in and
0: hosed him down while playing the game.
2: Kyle's like, I finally got one. And I was like, cat problem. And I hosed him down. It was
1: turn one, you guys.
2: (laughs) And I hosed the keep. Yeah. So checking different factions obviously means different things, right? We have to deal with the factions in the way that's going to actually harm them and not just like you know if we're just taking out cat warriors, that's not going to do anything because they can probably field hospital them. Yeah. All right. So when we're going against the cats, we're going to n- n- we're going to have to stop the means of production. <laughs> All right, and that's those sawmills. So whoever controls the wood controls the woodland. I don't know why I wrote that. I love it. I was just writing things very fast. I love that. Whoever controls the wood. You started with the means
0: of production. We've moved on to Dune.
2: Pick a line, Sam. Pick a comic line. You don't have to. All right. Uh, Sometimes it can be enough to just deny the cat spaces to build. Right. Other times it might be necessary to throw a huge clump of warriors on top of a sawmill or even destroy it. And this is where we get into that really sticky situation of the trouble with destroying the Marquis buildings is now you've given them the new spot to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be a tricky situation to recognize, but I think it mainly comes at the end game here. It's mainly so what we're trying to do is you're wanting to destroy a sawmill right before you might have a cat problem, right? <laughs> right before that moment is when you want to hit that sawmill, if, if it's necessary.
0: Leaving that sawmill alive leaves it open to also produce some wood for you to kill next turn, right? Provided the cats don't come in and rescue it.
2: Right, yeah, I think that's the Because they don't the need risk. to rule the
0: clearings where they are produced.
2: Yeah, I've, I mean, I've done it. I've, I've sat there on a, on a wood farm before, but it is, the cats are basically a non-factor if they can't do anything about it at that point. Um, right. So why are you there? Right. You, well, at this point, it, you don't need to check the cats. You're just doing it to farm the points to race to win.
1: Right. Right. And if there's no cats protecting that wood, that just means somebody else is going to come in and get that cardboard. That's true. Before your yeah. next turn as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think checking the cats is mainly a military operation, but overall the recommendation is probably to just sandpaper away their actions over the course of the game in order to kind of make that turn deficit even worse for the cats. To the point where the, you are giving yourself an extra turn or two to like get that win out from under them. But in some t- in some desperate situations where the cats are doing too well... It may be necessary to go above and beyond just taking out the odd sawmill, or the third recruiter. In fact, you may have to go for the heart of it all. No. That's right. I'm talking about sacking the keep itself.
2: No! What?
0: But at the beginning of the guide, Sam said, for the love of God, don't.
1: Jake, there comes a time in every Root player's (laughs) life where you must step up to the plate and attempt to crack the toughest nut in Root. All right. As we all know, the keep has a special property called field hospitals, where the cats can discard a matching card uh, to basically recycle warriors that are lost in a clearing, and they pop up back at the keep. Which means that if you're attacking in the keep, those warriors just keep replenishing if they have matching cards. So it basically means that you're just going into a, like a grinder, essentially, right? You're throwing yeah. all your warriors at the keep. They are dying in each battle, but the keep responds the cat warriors it, it can be very daunting
2: oh my gosh uh-huh. the hospital technology that is at this keep <laughs> is incredible right they don't have to wait a turn those those cats are murdered and then instantly repaired and ready for battle
1: i mean it makes me think that if if the cats were able to like export that hospital technology to the other <laughs> factions in the woodland we might actually live in a very peaceful society but you know that's on a <laughs> It's on a different tangent. We're talking about destruction, all right? Here we go. (laughs) Basically, the keep can be impossible to destroy in any reasonable amount of time, even with a couple of factions working together, if the cats have the cards to do so. Let's go ahead and talk about, there's kind of two times when you're going to be considering destroying the keep. One is early in the game. And one is later. Let's talk about early game first. This is definitely the easiest time to destroy the keep. Um, as anyone who has played Root Digital like early last year will tell you. Uh, so the main reason being the cats don't have much of a, a hand that they can curate at this point in the game. So their ability to field hospital is greatly limited. Um, also, they haven't had the chance to field hospitals from other battles, so their force at the keep tends to be pretty small. In advanced setup, they would start with two cats there, which is just like a little tougher, a little sturdier. Yeah, that's better. Uh, but Even still, if you really push the gas, you can kind of go in there early in the game and try and take it out. We all said boo at the beginning of this, and I definitely agree. This is definitely a form of griefing uh, where you are just raining on somebody's parade. Well, we talked
0: about how, like, we're doing this if we have to. So what's the situation where in the early game we have
1: to? The exception for me is when the Cats player uses advanced setup to place the keep in a clearing that is especially provocative or that is very damaging to your ability to play the game um an example might be if they place the keep on a central river clearing and you are the river folk and it's like a bunny clearing or something you can't recruit there because the keep prevents you from placing pieces there you can't get a trade post there even if you have the cat meeples like it, it could really gum up the works for different factions in different ways and that could be the exception to let's not attack the keep too early.
0: I mean, with ad set, like when Sam was mentioning about putting the keep in the pass. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right. Are you just going to sit back and let them have a free point every turn of the whole game? Like, oh, that seems no, crazy. So. Yeah,
0: that takes some huge balls of yarn for them to be able to pull <laughs> that off. Like. I can't believe the heat that that, w- that would come from that. So you're definitely, like, everybody's got a mission to destroy the keep at that point, right?
1: Right. And, and too, I, I think that's, like, more on the cats than it is on you. Honestly, like, at that
0: point, the meta's <laughs> changed, right? From <laughs> yeah. turn zero, the meta's changed, where it's like, okay, we're not regarding them as standard cats anymore.
1: But, right. So, okay, that's the exception, right? If they If they put the keep in an especially provocative area, then, like... You know, that's going to be a target, and I then think that's don't that let them
0: take advantage for of it for very long.
1: Yeah, because right? otherwise you're just gifting the cats a super beneficial position.
0: Yeah. You're going to want to try and talk other players into going for them to, to, to help you, right? And if you can't do that, you're going to have to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay, let's talk about why early game Destruction of the Keep tends to be a net negative because it can feel so cool to like zoom across (laughs) the map and like wreck shop on turn one. Like it can feel pretty powerful and awesome. And we just discussed this in the cat's guide as well, but just in terms of checking the cats, if you like totally destroy them on turn one and then they just can't recover, that actually could come back to bite you. You've just invested all those actions for what amounts to probably two points at most. And and what's the real benefit there? I mean, you've one rule of one clearing. Um, you stopped an be... opponent,
0: but you've also stopped your
1: opponent's opponent, right? right. Yes. Crucially, mm-hmm. you've you've invested those actions. Everyone else at the table is like, "Thank you very much." Now I don't have to worry about the cats ever. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to spend my turn being as greedy as possible yep. and getting a huge advantage because now the you know whatever faction has checked the cats has. Uh, taken time out of their development to do that. So it, it it's like in checking the cats, you've also checked yourself. So be a bit cautious about that. Let's talk about late game. and I think this is gonna be the more common scenario for an otherwise very uncommon moments in route. Yeah. Uh, in the late game, what I say here is timing is everything. The keep is just basically gonna be impenetrable for most of the game. However, Field Hospitals is super strong when it's used in combination with their march ability. They can move twice, right? What this means for the cats is they're going to have a bunch of concentrated warriors at the keep, and they're going to send them out onto the map to go and, like, rule a clearing, build something there, kind of, you know, get back out on the map. So the best time to take out the keep is right after they have done this, right? They've got a bunch of warriors that they've stacked up, and now they've sent them out to go and conquer a clearing, and that vacuum they leave behind is what you want to try and exploit if you're going to attack the keep. The ideal number of warriors is two or less. Uh, because that means there's still an opportunity to roll a three and hit some cardboard. Uh, even if they field hospitals, they'll only get two warriors back. Extra bonus points if they've got a sawmill built at home with the keep. And there's a little bit of wood stacked up. Ooh. That's uh, that's <laughs> when you want to have your eye on it. Mm. Uh, but I, I want to put this out to you guys. What, what situation justifies attacking the keep in your opinion i think
2: i think a sawmill has to be there honestly or maybe that there's an empty building slot there but you might as well just move in and prevent but i guess taking out the keep takes away the field hospital ability right that's all it does you get one point and you take away their ability to field hospital which late game to win the game, they're probably not going to need field hospital at that point. Right. Um, They will use it for this battle. (laughs) Again, the cats will die and immediately come back as zombie cats and their weird field hospital ability. But, yeah, I think it's pretty situational. I think there'd have to be other cardboard there. And you're probably swinging for a win with this cardboard point.
0: I think that's what it is, is like, I don't know if this is much of a late game tactic besides you're going for the win because the field, what you're taking away is field hospital. And as you said, Sam, that's not super necessary for them in late, late game. Right. That's like a mid, that's an early and mid game ability. Yeah. So I don't know. I I guess I don't know if I answered your question.
2: (laughs) I guess when you're, when you're trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, only when you're trying to win the
0: game do you do well. This. That's well. I guess that's not it. Then, <laughs> no, then no, it's I not it. a great example of the countering, right? W- when we're looking for contingencies of when to do this, yeah. Well, duh. But when you're trying to win, there's probably easier plastic. Or there's probably easier tokens to remove from the board than this.
2: Yeah, you would think so because field hospital is a crunchy ability. It's going to be hard to get through those. Yeah. So therefore, uh, is it ever really appropriate to do it in the late game?
1: Well, I would say that there's a situation where the cat's player is relying a little too much on the kind of general wisdom that destroying the keep is kind yep. of a waste of time and leaves it under defended. I would say trying to kind of like punish a cats player for leaving their keep a bit under defended is totally worth it in the mid game and can really change the shape of the um the terrain too. Cuz th- think about it too like the keep whatever clearing it's on that clearing is there, there's like one less of that clearing for everybody else to work with yeah. in the game. Like for the for the Corvids, a good example is like their recruit. You know, if if the keep is present, whatever suit that is, let's say it's in a fox, anytime the Corvids want to recruit in Fox, they would get one less recruit there. So like right. there there could be some value in kind of in the mid game doing a little sneaky surprise attack on the keep. Um I No, you go ahead, Jake. I was gonna say the
0: the head fake moment.
1: Yes, okay, so this is this is kind of the, like, thing we're building up to now. This is the, the meta of the meta a little bit. Um, this is a tactic <laughs> that I've used before to great success, and that's to kind of just menace or threaten that you could go and storm the keep if you really wanted to. This mm-hmm. is such a Kyle c- uh, c- move. Yeah. And that's just to kind of build up on the borders a
2: bit. And uh, Listen, young man, if you want to get into college, then you're going to have to protect your keep.
1: um but so okay if you if you just build up some warriors this again is assuming that you're a, a kind of more martial like red faction stack up some warriors in a nearby clearing and just make the cats have to calculate what happens if they leave home this is just a good way to force a conservative kind of troop placement from the cats which can really keep them on a simmer And not let them get too out of control.
0: I think this is a valuable tactic that we haven't talked about enough in general, in Root, of just, like, being there. (laughs) (laughs) In all situations, just having more than one dude there really changes a lot of people's estimations of what's possible on their turn. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I've been calling this a head fake, but, like, you know, if the cats start in the upper right corner on the Autumn map, This is like having a bunch of warriors in the upper left corner, Mm -hmm. right? they are two clearings away, but that a troop buildup right there is pretty threatening. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, just, just the numbers in this game are so small that every one really counts. I mean, not to get off topic, but in our game yesterday, I just remember thinking about how like one Corvid by themselves is so much weaker than two. Yeah. Especially with a, a face down plot. And you know, the same goes for cats when they see a threat on their border is one warrior they ignore two warriors they're aware of but three scares the living daylights out of them right <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah just like really force them to uh maintain a good defensive posture and a good troop concentration and it just makes it tough for them to like get out on the map and like secure those extra building slots that they need yeah to make progress yeah yeah good just head fake
0: Well, and head fake, again, in a convenient way for what your engine's doing. Like, you're going to a clearing that you need for that reason. Also, that's next to their game. Then bring a lot of warriors. Like, yeah, double up on your objectives in that way, right? I, I also love that, like... A lot of the times when there is the, these head fakes, they, the head fakes aren't always intentional. Like, a player was just going to go do what they're doing. Like, the badgers are roaming around to go get relics, but we're terrified of them, but they're not really caring about us. They want all the stones in the forest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I So many times when we were playing, I was just like, you guys... I promise it's just about these rocks in the forest. <laughs> like, that's all I care about.
0: Sam, you yeah. never really want to fight except for it to move us out of the way so you can get your rocks.
2: I have to battle. It's yeah. This is maybe my new favorite design faction where it's like, I must battle and yeah. then may delve. And I just want to delve, but first I must battle. So I'm just like clearing out this like part of the map and you can throw your guys in there, but it's going to be a meat grinder and it's going to slow us both down, (laughs) but it's like nothing I can do about it. Yeah. I'm just really
0: glad you brought this up, Kyle, because I really think that, you know, we always talk about what actions you can take to, to do these things. But like sometimes an action isn't actually going forth with it. Right. It's, uh, letting them assume you
1: will. Yeah. The threat can be stronger than the execution in Mm -hmm. in the case of the keep for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing to keep in mind there, too, is is uh, if the cats call your bluff and decide to move out, hey, that's just some free cardboard then. Yeah, you are still there. Mm. You are still there. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's a good idea to keep that kind of positional consideration in mind when it comes to the Marquise.
0: Sam, you make the same noise at an ice cream buffet.
1: Mm. Cardboard. <laughs>
2: Have you guys had Ben and Jerry's fish food flavored cardboard? (laughs) If there's a better ice cream flavored cardboard, I don't want to hear about it.
1: Oh, I just got this pint of uh, paint chips.
2: That's (laughs) really good. Paint chip chip. (laughs) (laughs) Paint chip chip.
0: Cut to the field hospital where Kyle's just his stomach.
2: (laughs) He's back already. So in conclusion, when playing against the cats... It's probably best to deal with them by soft denying them their important clearings, the ones with like multiple building slots and paths, and crafting the mouse and rabbit items before they get a chance to, all the while knowing that a a sack on the keep is possible or a threat is imminent. If it does come to blows, you aim for their sawmills first and foremost, and just remember that they probably aren't a threat to win the race. Right, we often talk about racing and route, right? When it's like we we try to maintain some faction balance. Hey, everybody's a little kumbaya. I attack you, you attack me. But then, at a certain point, it's off to the races, and I don't care about the game anymore. I'm trying to score as many points on my turn as I can because I think I'm going to win. Yeah, right.
1: And if it seems like the type of game where there's going to be this like big clash, and then a sort of like barren post apocalyptic world where. If the cats have a couple sawmills up already, they could just go for that victory. Mm-hmm. Be aware, if it's that type of game, that's when you want to hit those sawmills and just you know make sure that in the the aftermath that
2: the cats aren't just in a position to win. Right. So knowing, yeah, knowing that they probably aren't, and we talk, told you guys the signs to look for in case they are in a position to win the race, but they probably aren't. So the longer that they <laughs> have a competitive shot to win the game the longer the game will have balance. And so as long as you can position that where the game is balanced and then you're the person who breaks to race is what you're hoping to do to win the game.
1: <laughs> you want to keep them on life support, all right? Right, <laughs> totally.
0: So you can revive them from their own field hospital in your hour of need.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I love playing against the Marquis because I know what they want. Yeah, I know that they want building slots, mm-hmm. and I know how they get there. And it's just like there's a lot of knowns with the Marquis, so it's it's very fun to kind of crunch the numbers against them.
0: They they feel like the most solved from an opponent standpoint a little bit. I think
1: I, I think that's right. I
0: think primarily because of what you said early on in the pod, which was that th- so much of their information is public and just out on the board in front of everybody's face, right? Really, every other yeah. faction has a lot of, like, card mechanisms or hidden other things that we need to either deduce or assume or not know. Whereas the cats, you can kind of see in the future fairly often for them.
1: Right. We up the... to our, uh, our coverage of the Corvids in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, we're just like, man, I mean, the only thing is it's all so
2: public. Yeah. Right. This is
0: how you stare into their eyes and figure out deception. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Also, Jake, what you're talking about is like so much is known, like a lot of the fuzziness and rude of like how many points can they score comes from crafting and the cats are bad and very transparent about their crafting. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Great. Okay. Well, great versus guide. I feel much more equipped to destroy them more than we have been in all our games. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love the versus guides. This is like giving me life i
0: guess maybe this is the contrarian nature but now i want to play the cats oh yeah i actually was thinking that too i'm like i love the cats
2: i know i'm like i want to build
0: some of these okay yeah i'll build a workshop and see what they say about it
2: yeah i feel like some of some of these guides are going to be me yelling about how much i want to destroy that faction and the cats is not that yeah i don't want to hurt the cats
1: it's so empowering to know what knives people are going to wield against you and to, to like own that and and be prepared for that. And I feel like yeah, in a weird backwards way, uh, the how to destroy this faction guide helps you play better as that faction.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, hopefully it will. All right. Anything else, gents?
2: No, I I, I just want to remind everyone to join the Discord and uh, sign up for the Patreon. We got we got some things cooking coming up, so I, I would encourage you all to uh, join us in all of the things we got planned season two is going to be off the chain gang
1: yeah this is going to be a much more like three-dimensional season there's going to be yeah more events more holograms right? woodland <laughs> war machine
2: the... 2 3d all right that's the <laughs> subtitle of this season i am gonna get so many emails that are just like so
0: what are you guys doing this season you're <laughs> off the chain gang, and we're doing 3D stuff now?
2: <laughs> oh, you're, yeah, baby. You're gla- your red and blue glasses are coming in the mail, guys. This podcast <laughs> is about to be in 3D.
0: <laughs> well, if you want your emails read, just remember to use the subject line. Root,
2: root, 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 root.